As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin, and I'm here with me and myself. And also I, Rob is out today. He was at a business thing for his work. And so he left me out here to dry. And I'm just kidding. Rob was, uh, but he is too busy actually. So, but we felt like we need to get a podcast out because there was so much that happened in the world of basketball last week with the last second shot over Virginia Tech to beat them once again. And of course, that win over Duke on Saturday to put us really into the driver's seat for our tournament seating. Uh, I'll get to all that later. But first, I think we have to start off with Jay Huff. And I did promise a full Jay Huff episode this week. Probably not going to be fully Jay Huff. However, I do want to talk about him and how he really took over that Duke game on Saturday. Jay Huff led the way with 15 points to go along with 9 rebounds and, of course, 10 blocks. Not a record that is held by Ralph Sanson, but 10 blocks was insane, including the game winner. Jay Huff was electric in this game. I mean, this is, I want to say it's a breakout game for him, but in all honesty, Jay Huff really, we, we've seen this kind of stuff before, but he, this is where he really put it all together. This is kind of, I think, the Jay Huff that a lot of people have been wanting and expecting over the course of many, many years in Virginia. And kind of every year we're like, oh, well, Jay Huff could break out this year. This was the breakout that we've been looking for with 10 blocks, really took over the game. 7 of 9 from the field, didn't make a three-pointer, but he did have some sweet dunks, four dunks, in fact, a couple alley-oops, as well as an awesome put-back reverse dunk from right under the basket. He did have four fouls, but also ended the night with two steals. So really stuffed the stat sheet and really stuffed the Duke players as well, including the game-winning block on Vernon Carey. Jay Huff was the heart and soul of the UVA team, and without him, I don't know if we win that game. There was a lot of other players who also contributed. It wasn't just Jay Huff, but Jay Huff really has put together a really complete game for not the first time this season, but this was definitely the most complete game he's had, both on the offensive end and on the defensive end of the court. He did a really good job of helping out on Duke's more athletic guards when they got into the paint, especially for someone like Cassius Stanley, who was really limited in this game. Cassius Stanley was one of nine, only ended with four points, had uh, 
a turnover to go along with four rebounds as well. He was limited, and Jay Huff had a huge block on him. It was definitely very helpful to have Jay Huff back there, and a bunch of the players actually said that they, they knew that Jay was going to help them if they got beat, which was great to hear, and they trust him now. Jay Huff is able to not only defend the paint, but he's also able to hedge on the outside, and that's a part of his game that Jay's really improved on this year. Jay, in the past, you know, he's been criticized for having slow feet. He's been criticized for not being able to move quick enough within the defense, not really understanding the defense as well. This year, he's really put it all together, and it's been really impressive to watch him get all the way out to the paint, hedge on a on a guard, and then rush all the way back. And that's actually what happened on the last play of the game, or the second to last play of the game when he blocked Vernon Carey. He was actually hedging on a Duke player, had to recover all the way into the paint, ended up being there perfectly for the block. I think it was a clean block. I was, I've was i rewatched it a lot. I don't think Mamani caught the body too much. And even if there was a little bit, refs usually tend to swallow the whistle in that instance. So I think it was a clean block anyway, though. So I don't think that matters. Another thing Jay Huff was doing really well was working with the pick and roll and the pick and pop as well. He had a couple, uh, he actually had one long two, should have been a, if he had to, if he put his toe off the line, it would have been a three, but he had one long two, and then he faked another three and actually drove it in for a monster dunk over a, co- a couple of Duke defenders. I think he got fouled on that as well, but no foul called. And Jay is just, it's been just really impressive to see him put together this game and carry this team. And hopefully he can put some more of these games together in the NCAA tournament when, you know, he can be a mismatch at times, and that's what Duke. That's what we are finding with Duke. We finally got to the point where Tony was playing Jay because he was a mismatch with the other team. Duke could not handle Jay Huff. They were unable to contain him on the offensive end, and they really didn't have an answer for him on the defensive end. They they were not able to drive in as well. Uh, you know, Jay Huff can be a liability on defense sometimes, especially against a guy like Vernon Carey, who is just a big body really able to push inside a lot, but Jay did a good job of holding his ground for the most part. And this is really one of the first instances where we've seen Tony Bennett really keep Jay Huff in, even if the matchup didn't dictate it. You know, there's no, there's no one on Duke's team that really matches up well with Jay Huff. I mean, you, Vernon Carey, you know, definitely outweighs him much more physical down low Matthew Hurts not even a, a true center he's more of a forward even Javin Delorier much more of a forward than a center so Vernon Carey is really the only one who would have matched up well with Jay Huff Jay Huff really you know is much taller but just definitely not as strong or not as physical as Vernon Carey but that didn't stop Tony from keeping Jay Huff in and that's something that we haven't seen in a lot you know Tony always prioritizes defense and he will always prioritize defense over offense however in this case he was keeping Jay in even when the defensive matchup wasn't great you know with Jay Huff guarding Vernon Carey they were often doubling him like straight off the bat and you know it worked pretty well at first and of course Jay Huff came out and Mamadi did a really good job on Vernon Carey at the end of the game I'll talk about that later but for the most part, Jay Huff was matched up with Vernon Carey down low uh, if it was doubled or not. Now, Jay did get beat a couple times, but Jay also did a really good job of beating their team down low, especially with a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop offense. So he did a really good job. I hope that he carries this forward into momentum. Uh, I haven't, I'm recording this right before the Miami game, kind of a bad timing, but 
I hope that he carries it forward today against Miami and also, again, on Saturday against Louisville and also moving into the ACC tournament as well as the NCAA tournament. So I think that this was kind of the Jay Huff party, the block party, the points party, rebound party, you know, whatever he wanted. He was one rebound away from a triple-double. That's something that really hasn't happened in UVA for a long time. I don't know when the last triple-double was. I don't think it's been in my lifetime. I might be wrong. However... I can't remember one recently. Certainly not under Tony Bennett. Certainly not under Tony Bennett. With that, you know, we've talked about Jay Huff a little bit, but there were other people in that game against Duke who really stepped up. Mamadi D. Kite had 14 points, 5 of 13 field goals. However, he was 2 of 2 from the line, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 rebounds, 1 block, 1 steal, 3 turnovers, only 2 fouls, and he played lockdown defense on Vernon Carey Jr. towards the end of the game. Towards the end of the game, you know, when Jay was on him earlier in the game, they had double. Jay was unable to stay in front of him. Vernon Carey was just bullying him down low. However, Mamadi was able to really stay in front of him. It felt like wherever Vernon Carey was turning, Mamadi was already there. He was unable to get to the basket at all during the last couple drives that he tried to take it to Mamadi. And Mamadi caused a couple turnovers as well on Vernon Carey. Mamadi did an excellent job of guarding him late in the game. And honestly, I think that this, you know, proves that Mamadi is one of the most elite defenders in the ACC, if not the country, just because he was able to contain one of the best players in the ACC one-on-one for a lot of the game. Now, Vernon Carey did end up with 17 points, 10 rebounds. He's a double-double machine, but Mamadi did a huge, huge job late in the game locking him down and I think that's cannot be overlooked Braxton Key also had 14.6 of 11 shooting no threes but he hit two free throws had eight rebounds six turnovers for Braxton today not a great time for him you know Duke did a good job of pressuring him when he had the ball maybe his wrist is still bothering him a little bit I'm not sure what happened but he he made some bad passes he was uh forced to do uh, to dribble a little bit more than he wanted to, I think, because Duke did a really good job of locking down Kihei for a lot of the game. Trey Jones was really uh, blacking him a lot, and so Kihei was unable to get the ball some of the time, so Braxton was bringing it up. Braxton is not the best ball handler, I would say, especially compared to what, we, what we're used to with Kihei, and Braxton turned it over six times, and that counted, that really uh, helped us to get to 15 turnovers which you know we've been doing a lot better recently in terms of how many turnovers we've had but still not a great look to have 15 turnovers especially against a team like Duke now luckily we were able to do a good job and prevent Duke from getting a lot of points off of those turnovers which is huge for us however it's just not it's not a great look, and I think that's something that we definitely have to keep tightening up a little bit. We've been doing a really good job on this, you know, 9 of 10 game streak. However, against Duke, we didn't keep it going. So I think that's something to look for against Miami and against Louisville as well. How do we keep the ball? How do we handle the ball? Kihei played 39 minutes, only sat for about a minute, had had 7 points on 2 of 9 shooting, made his 1-3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, with three rebounds, five assists, four turnovers, two fouls. Kihei did a really good job of distributing the ball today. Uh, He also had some mistakes. He had four turnovers as well. However, he did a good job of finding Jay, especially on some of those pick and rolls. He had some great assists to Jay, especially I remember the one where he he threw it up and Jay kind of laid it in for an alley-oop. 
and Kia did a good job of locking down Trey Jones as well. Now, when I say locked down, I don't mean he, you know, Trey Jones still had a really good game. Trey Jones had 17 points on 6 of 14 shooting, 3 of 5 from the 3 uh, with no turnovers and 2 assists. I think that Kihei did as, you know, as good a job as you can on a player like Trey Jones. Trey Jones, you know, is a good player. He's a good distributor of the ball as well. Didn't distribute the ball a lot today. I think that Duke had a tough time, you know, penetrating the defense. They took a lot of shots from the outside, which was kind of unwise. They were 4 of 17 from 3 and 18 of 59 overall for about 30% from the field. So not a great shooting night from Duke at all, but that's what the back line does to you. They make you take tough shots. They make you shoot shots you might not want to shoot, and they don't let you get into the paint, and that's certainly what we did uh, against Duke on Saturday. I'm going I'm to also say this. Thomas Woldetensai, only 23 minutes, 0-5 from the field, 0-2 from 3, 0 points, 2 fouls, 2 assists, 3 rebounds. No turnovers for him, which is good. However, he didn't score. So if you tell me, if you told me before the Duke game that Thomas Woldetensai would have zero points, no threes, and we would win by two, I would not. I mean, I might believe you, but I would have said we would have lost. And that's because recently our success has been based on the fact that Thomas has been making tough shots. Thomas has been making uh, lots of shots from deep. And he didn't do that today. Uh, Duke has, did a really good job on this, and Virginia Tech did a really good job as well of really keeping Thomas Woldetensai from getting the ball off of those screens. So they're going in front of the screens. They're preventing Thomas Woldetensai from catching it, and when they when he does catch it, they don't let him shoot it at all. So they're really staying up on him. Thomas hasn't really been able this season to show that he can drive it into the basket, and so that's a that's a huge problem because he's known as a three-point shooter and if if people close out really hard on him he either lets it fly or he kind of dribbles a little bit and then passes it off so he doesn't have the ability to really drive it into the basket and and Duke and even Virginia Tech did a good job of running him off the three-point line a lot so Thomas Wilditensai actually only played 23 minutes Cody Statman had 24 minutes outplayed Thomas Wilditensai only one of two from the field Two rebounds, no assists, one turnover, no fouls, two points for Cody. Cody did a good job playing defense in this game. Cody has been, and I've criticized Cody a lot this season for, you know, of course his shooting woes have been documented a lot, but his defense is something that has gone really, I think, unnoticed, and I think it's underappreciated how good Cody is in this defensive scheme. Cody isn't, I wouldn't say the quickest person. I don't think he can stay in front of everyone. But Cody's really long. Cody's got super long arms as well. And Cody gets his arms in the right position. It's all about footwork with him. It's all about getting his arms in the right position. Cody does a good job of deflecting passes and bothering ball handlers. Two things that he that he did really well against Duke. I know he was guarding some of Duke's definitely more athletic guards like Trey Jones, Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore Jr., Cassius Stanley. Uh, none of them seem to be able to do anything that night. E- even Jordan Goldwire had a tough time as well. And, you know, I think Statman did a really good job of staying in front of those guys. Now, of course, he had Jay to ba- back him up. Jay Huff was, you know, trying to block everything that was coming towards him. But Cody did a really good job of staying in front of those guards. And also, you know, Jay Huff was doing a great job of blocking anything that was coming near the rim. So Cody had a great backup partner in Jay Huff. Braxton Key was also blocking shots. He had two blocks. Mommy had one block. So it was really a huge block party for UVA. 
But Cody, even even if he was beat, Cody, the other thing he does really well is he recovers really well. So especially on a hedge, even if Cody messes up, Cody can stick his arms in and disrupt passes, disrupt dribbles, and cause turnovers as well. Duke ended up with 10 turnovers on the night. Not nearly as much as UVA. UVA had 15, but... Cody was a huge part of why they had that number. Cody is disruptive in the paint. He's disruptive on the edge, and he is a solid defender. Who, which is a little bit surprising. It's not. I don't think that's what a lot of people would have said at this time of the year. You know, I I think a lot of people would have hoped that you know he's he's a really good shooter, could take it to the rim. However, it's his really his defense that got him playing time in this game. You know, he he clearly I think does not want to be involved in the offense or maybe he he is being told not to be involved in the offense only had two shots no threes uh he had, he did have two rebounds and i think that the the staff knows what they have in cody and they use him in certain situations now i think thomas was having trouble keeping up with these athletic duke guards i think that thomas's defense is not as good as cody's per se, especially considering that Thomas is not as long as Cody, can't disrupt passes like Cody, can't get in the dribbling lanes like Cody can. So I think that Cody, in this case, against a really athletic Duke team, got a lot, or not a lot more, but got more playing time, especially considering that he was able to disrupt those passes, disrupt that those dribbles. So Cody had a great game. Uh, Kihei had a great game. Braxton had a good game. Jay Huff had the game of his life, Mommy was solid again, and UVA got the win over the number seven Duke Blue Devils. And I think this win really bumped us up over into a higher seed territory. There's a lot of places out there right now that have us either as an eight or a nine seed, and in some cases even as a seven seed. And I don't really have a preference necessarily as to what we what seed we get. I did kind of like the idea of being an underdog in the NCAA tournament, but I think that, you know, at this point, we'll really take whatever we can get because at, you know, a couple months ago, we were unsure, you know, if this team was even going to make the tournament. And now I think we're squarely in the tournament. Um, UVA is currently, speaking of the tournament, let's talk about our tournament chances right now. UVA is currently 48 in the net rankings. Our record is 21 and 7. On the road, we're 6 and 4. We're 2 and 0 neutral. And home, we are 13 and 3. So our net ranking is good, and our quadrant wins have gotten even better with the win over Duke. So currently, with our quadrant wins, we are 11 and 6 in terms of quadrant 1 and quadrant 2. Uh, wins and losses combined and and for quadrant one we are four and three which is all right for quadrant two we are seven and three which is great for our quadrant three we are five and one of course with that one loss being against nc state or sorry at boston college which really hurts a lot and then for our quadrant four we are five and oh which is great you definitely don't want any quadrant four losses trying to get into the ncaa tournament now our last two games are against my at miami and home against Louisville. Louisville's definitely going to be a quad one game for us, so hopefully we can get that, get another quad one win. Uh, Miami right now is hovering at around 100. Uh, right when I'm recording this, they're at 108 in the net rankings, so they're definitely going to be a quad two game because we're playing them away. We get a little bit of leeway with the ranking, so it's going to be a quad two game. So hopefully 
we can beat them, beat Louisville, and then our net ranking and our quad rankings will go up as well. Now, I've seen a lot of complaints recently about the net ranking saying that even though we've, you know, we've won nine out of 10 games, we really haven't moved up the net rankings a lot. You know, we were hovering around mid 50s for a while, but now we're at 48. So we've only gone up, you know, maybe six or seven or eight spots, even though we're nine out of 10 games. And a lot of people are wondering why, saying the net rankings are stupid. Um, While that might be true, the reason why we haven't gone up a lot is because a lot of the net rankings, uh, they're determined by margin of victory. And while that may seem kind of, you know, weird, margin of victory really shows how good a team is against other good teams. So if you beat a good team by a lot, your net ranking is going to go shooting up. If you beat a bad team by a lot, your net ranking will go up some. If you beat a bad team by a little bit, your net ranking is not going to move that much because it's showing that you're staying with the bad teams. Now, luckily, we've beaten good teams by a little bit. We've also beaten bad teams by a little bit. So we beat really everyone we play by just a small margin. In fact, out of the last, you know, in our in our streak of nine out of ten, we've had games against. Uh, in well, in if you go back to NC State, even which we lost at home, we lost NC State fifty three to fifty one. We beat Wake fifty five to sixty. 65 to 63. We beat FSU 61 to 56. We beat Notre Dame 50 to 49. We beat UNC 64 to 62. We beat Pitt 59 to 56. We beat Tech 56 to 53. And we beat Duke 52 to 50. So a lot of those games are one possession games. And even the, the win against FSU was just a couple possessions right down to the wire. So we don't beat teams by a lot. It doesn't matter if they're good, like Duke or Florida State, or if they're bad, like you know UNC or Boston College. And we don't really, we kind of play to our competition level. And you can see that a lot with Louisville too. We lost to Louisville by seven, seventy-three to eighty, but we we did a really good job of you know playing our offense in that game. And of course, Walter Tensai had an amazing game with uh, his twenty-seven points. But we, this team, this Virginia team, seems to play to the competition, and the net rankings don't really like that. They don't like, you know, when you when you don't beat bad teams by a lot, and so that it really hasn't really helped our net rankings. So if we can beat Miami by a lot, if we somehow blow out blow out Louisville, our net rankings gonna go shooting up. But my guess is that we're gonna stay around forty eight right now. That's where we're at currently. We're gonna stay around forty eight. We might go up a little bit. We might go down a little bit. But it really doesn't matter especially considering that we're pretty much, you know, in the NCAA tournament. I think it would take, I, I don't know if we could fall out at this point. You know, we might, if we lose to Miami and Louisville and someone in the ACC tournament, I think we might be on the bubble, but I think we'd still be on the right side of the bubble. And I don't think we will lose to Miami, Louisville, and then someone in the NCAA tournament. That would be a pretty bad collapse and pretty bad going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, to end the podcast today, I do want to go back in time, and I think I would be uh, a fool if I didn't talk about the UVA's game against Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech when we won 56-53 to on Kihei Clark's buzzer beater uh, three-point shot, one dribble, step back, three right in the face of the Virginia Tech uh, uh, team, and, you know, that was an incredible win for us, especially in a tough place on the road. I, I really was concerned. I was not concerned after the first half. You know, UVA was up twenty-six to eleven, and Tech came out hot 
in the second half. Tech was really on fire, shooting a lot of threes. They ended up only being 9 of 27, but before that, they had only made one three in the first half. So they, they made eight threes in the second half. They were torching us. They, it seemed, seemed like they could not miss in the second half, really. And they actually outscored us by 12 in the second half, but the Hoos were able to hang on, and thanks to Kihei's miracle shot at the end. It wasn't really a miracle. It was a great shot. He had a good look, had a nice step back, got the defender moving in front of him. And he stepped stepped back and took that beautiful shot over him. This team, and you know, I talked about the close wins earlier. This team knows how to win close games, and I think it goes back to the NCAA tournament last year, where we were in a lot of close games down the stretch. You look at Oregon, you look at Purdue, you look at Auburn, and even Texas Tech. You know, even Gardner Webb. You know, that was a close game. The only game that wasn't really close in that tournament was against Oklahoma, but. I think that this team knows how to win. We've got leaders in Kihei. We've got leaders in Mamadi. Uh, Jay was on that team. Braxton was on that team. Cody was on that team. And we, even though they're new pieces and they've got new roles on this team, they're still there, and they know what winning feels like. They know how to win late in games. And I think that's why this team has been so good this season, winning these close games late. And especially, I mean, if you look at Tech, and even, especially the UNC game as well, where we held on at the very end and we were able to get a good shot at the end to win it. And I think this team is really well poised for March. I think that I'm excited to see what they do. I'm really excited for the ACC tournament. I think that UVA has a great shot to make the semifinals or even the finals uh, based on you know how we're playing right now and how and what the bracket looks like as well. I am really excited to see what we do in the NCAA tournament, especially considering you know, the weight is lifted off our shoulders. Last year, the weight was, can this team make it to the Final Four? And of course, we win the national championship, which was incredible. And I think the monkey, I mean, Tony Bennett said the monkey's off the back, but I think that this team can finally play free. You know, they can be free from the label that they're chokers in March. And I think that's really good for them especially considering what this team is made of and how close every game seems to be. So once again, I'm recording this before the Miami game, so I'm going to be watching that later tonight. Hope we can do well, and we're, we, I'm also going to be, we probably won't record again before Louisville, so we'll send out one after Louisville, so we'll see kind of what the tournament seating will be after that game on Saturday. So I hope that everyone has a safe and healthy watching of these games. Hopefully they're not too close, but knowing this team, they probably will be. So don't spoil me. I haven't watched it yet, but for the Miami game tonight, who's are, I think, a two, two and a half point favorite over Miami. It seems a little low, but, you know, especially considering how close all the games have been, it's not really that surprising that Vegas is setting it so low. So thank you everyone so everyone so much for listening. This has been the Guys of Ties podcast. I'm Dustin. Rob will be back next time, I hope, because I love having him here. Uh, no football talk this week because I'm not really in the know for football. Rob is. And Rob's got, a, I think, a lot of football talk to do on the next episode. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on iTunes, 
and Spotify if you want to keep listening to us. Give us a like if you if you or a subscription if you want to keep listening. Make sure to check out Armchair Media. They've got a lot of great podcasts there for your pleasure about NBA baseball starting up soon. And of course, there's always fights going on as well. So I will see you guys next time. Go Hoos, beat Miami, and beat Louisville.